want to start, first off, let me say thank you, ladies. The place looks beautiful. Thank you for taking time to decorate. And uh, also, thank you, Pastor Dean and Josh, for being over and helping serve that day. I appreciate that. It does look nice. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, Christmas time, you just can't help but I mean, it's, it's nice. I like it. And, um, uh, and we should, right? As Christians, we definitely uh, need to capitalize on these opportunities and times to share our faith. And that's what we, we want to do and uh, need to do daily throughout the year. Um, we're talking in the month of December, we're going through a series, and uh, we'll kind of recap, go through it here just shortly. But um, wanted to take this time and focus on it. A lot of times, because we are in a book study, um, we don't always take that time to focus on uh, Christmas and the story of Christmas. Usually if we do, it's a Sunday at, at the most. But we're taking this whole month of December, and as you know, we're going through the birth of Christ, the life of Christ, the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, and then the coming again of Christ. And that will take us, Lord willing, weather permitting, uh, through every Sunday uh, through this month. Um, the, the series title is Jesus is the Reason for the Season. And uh, as I said today, we're going to be looking at part two of the life. But for those of you who maybe missed last week's uh, intro on the birth of Christ, I've got a little helper who's going to help me tell the story, kind of get you up to speed on, on maybe what you missed from last week. So I'm going to let Molly tell you a little bit more about things. Wherever that 
might be, I'll try to find you a place that would be open and snuggly for the new baby. And Mary said, wherever you can find a place that is comfortable for the baby and me and Joseph will sh sure be fine. <laughs> so they went and found one. Mary said, this looks good. We'll just have the baby here. I hope there's going to be a place for us to, to make sure the baby gets born good. <laughs> and Mary said, the baby is just pushing too hard to get out of my tummy. All the, the animals that were there um, were excited that they got to see it was a new baby. Wait, what was the story? <laughs> well, hopefully that gets you back up to speed. So, Children's Church, you can be dismissed at this time. I saw that and I knew immediately I have to share that with you guys. Now, don't worry, we've got some clarification videos coming soon, but uh, stick with us throughout this series. We did talk last week about the birth of Christ, and for those of you who are good note-takers, you'll probably recall the outline. We spoke about the promise of His coming. We looked at the promise of Christ's coming, and we also saw the person of Christ and what that birth represented in the person of Christ. And then we looked at the purpose. What was the point? What's the point of Jesus coming? Why do we celebrate? You know, again, the, the birth of Christ coming into the world, the incarnation of God, is great, but it was for a purpose. And that is the cross of Calvary. And we talked about that a little bit. And then we talked about the power of the birth. And specifically for those of us who've experienced the new birth and what that means. And so that's what we looked at last week in part one. This morning, uh, we hope to go through part two, the life. And if you're taking notes, here's your outline. We're going to look at the sinless life of Christ and why that's important. We're also going to look at the substitutionary life of Christ. Uh, we also will look at the satisfying life that's found in Christ and the salvation life that's provided by Christ. And so that's where we're going this morning, and hopefully uh, you guys are ready to go there. So with that said, uh, take your Bibles and let's turn to the Gospel of according to Matthew. And let's go to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Let's begin our reading this morning. Verses 18 through 23. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. 
Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Father, I pray this morning, as you know, I'm feeling a little weathered, a little beaten today, as I no doubt a lot of folks are, that you will simply allow me to be a vessel, Lord, to be used for your glory, for your honor. Lord, I pray for your word as you promised that it would go out and not return void. Lord, I pray that this morning as people are watching online, many people unable to make it out to services today because of the weather, not just here but across the state and throughout this region. Lord, as folks tune in, I pray that you will meet with them and that you will encourage their heart and that all of us will be drawn to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as we worship today through the study of your word, through the preaching of your word. And so, Lord, I ask that you do what only you can do. And, Lord, I pray that the name of Christ be made much of. In his name we pray. Amen. I'm trying to lose my voice this morning, and I didn't know I was losing it until I got up. And it's going, and where's it going? Come back. So stay with me. Um, we're going to look at the first part this morning of the life of Christ, and we need to focus on the sinless life of Christ. And uh, this, again, is important. There's an article uh, written from Nicholas Batzig in the Ligonier Ministry, July 15, 2015, and I want to share some thoughts uh, from that as we go through this. Uh, in reference, and we talked about this last week in the birth and the, the significance of Jesus being born of a virgin. Matthew 1, 18-23, which we just read, says Jesus would be born of a virgin in a miracle that could only be accomplished through the Holy Spirit. Because we all descend from Adam and Eve, we are born sinners. But Jesus was born of a virgin, keeping Him from being born into sin. From the day he was born until the day he died, Jesus never sinned. He was perfect without sin, allowing him to become a perfect sacrifice for our sin. Guys, this is vital to our understanding. Jesus is God incarnate. His perfection is what was needed for a lost world. We were dead in our trespasses and sin, and there's no help for us apart from God intervening. And this is part of God's plan. And the sinless life of Christ must be understood. The Bible expressly declares that Jesus was sinless. For example, the writer of Hebrews tells us that He was wholly harmless, 
undefiled, and separate from sinners. This is vital to our understanding of salvation. We also see in 2 Corinthians 5.21, a verse we'll look at again shortly, the Apostle Paul boldly asserts that he knew no sin. He knew no sin. Yet tempted in every way in which we were, guys, but without sin. At the announcement of his birth, an angel called him that Holy One who is to be born. Again, a sinless life. Pilate, his wife, told her husband, have nothing to do with this just man. Pilate himself recognized this. He said, I find no fault in him. The continual testimony time and time again for those that were around Christ saw and knew his sinless life. The dying thief acknowledged the innocence of Jesus when he said, this man has done nothing wrong. And even the centurion at the foot of the cross said, certainly this was a righteous man. Even the demons recognized that Jesus was the Holy One of God. You know, it's sad sometimes when you read through the Scriptures, the New Testament, that the demons seem to have a better understanding of theology than a lot of professing Christians today. And again, belief is not enough, guys. Too often times we hear the sugar-coated gospel, just believe in Jesus, just believe and you'll be fine. Guys, if that were the case, then what do you do with passages that say even the devil believes, even the demons believe and tremble? But yet they do not believe unto repentance. They do not believe unto saving faith. And so there's much more in that word, belief, and we must be careful how we throw it around. But the sinless life of Christ is very evident. It's very evident in the pages of Scripture. And it's something that we... Uh, need to understand is something that we need to hold strongly to, uh, for it is what our salvation rests upon. It's because of that sinless life that we see the substitutionary life. All we, all of us, we've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. All we like sheep have gone astray. Every one of us, guys, are sinners. And Scripture makes that clear. And it's because of our sin nature. It's because of that which dwells within every man, except for the one man, the man born of a virgin, conceived by the Holy Spirit, placed in the womb, the incarnation of Christ, the second Adam, as Scripture refers to him. Because all of us, Mere men are of the first Adam. And we walk and live under a curse. And therefore we need redemption. We need saving. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. But the coming of Christ is found. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And so, as we understand the substitutionary life, it's important that we unpack the sinless life to get us to the substitutionary life. For Christ also suffered once for sin, the just 
for the unjust, that He might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Guys, Christ lived a representative life. He was our representative. Do you understand why we must grasp the sinless life of Christ? We must understand He is the God-man, as we talked about last week. That's vital to the truth of the gospel. Jesus lived a representative's life. Jesus lived a sinless life. And it was therefore a life of representative sinlessness, a substitutionary life. Our Lord's obedience stands in the place of His people's sin. His law-keeping is counted as the law-keeping of those who have faith in Him. Nicholas Badzik, Ligonaire Ministry. Do you understand his point? Guys, you and I will never live up to God's standard. So stop trying. God never intended for you to be religious people in the sense that if only I could do better, if I could just pray more, if I could just read my Bible more, if I could just go to church more, these righteous acts are self-righteous acts. And God says in His Word that our acts of righteousness that we think are good are in all actuality filthy rags when in the presence of a holy God. Now look, the problem is when I preach something like that from Scripture, too oftentimes our sinful nature, our sinful hearts want to justify our actions for living a life as we see fit. And all you need to do is revisit the book of Judges and we see the outcome when every man did that which was right in his own eyes. There's a way that seems right unto man, but the end is destruction, it's death. And so guys, a pursuit of your own lane is... No way, shape, or form what Christ desires for those who know Him. We too are called to be separate. We too are called to live separated lives for the glory of God. Christ is our substitution. We will never keep the law perfectly. And we don't have to because Jesus Christ came to fulfill the law. And that's why when you read through the gospel and you see the things that he did time and time again, he did in submission to the Father's will. He did to fulfill the scriptures so that righteousness was carried out from the only righteous one who's ever lived upon this earth, the man Christ Jesus. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. So we see the sinless life. We see the substitutionary life. Again, think about this. For those of us who have a problem understanding that we're sinners, because I know we, you know we like to toot our own horns and we like to say, well, I'm not that bad. You know, I've never murdered anyone. and I'm, I've never done, you know, like I know some people do. We kind of self-justify, don't we? Well, think about what Scripture tells us. Christ's sinless life is actually uh, set in contrast um, against the background of scriptural testimony of the sinfulness of man. Job declared that man is abominable and corrupt and who drinks injustice like water. That's a pretty clear statement, isn't it? One who drinks injustice like water. The heart of man is corrupt. 
It's desperate and it's deceitful. It's wicked. Who can know it? Solomon acknowledged there's no one who does not sin. 1 Kings 8.46 The Apostle John warned, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. You know, there's a lot of people who are self-deceived in the world that don't think they're, well, I'm not that bad, you know. We deceive ourselves and make him a liar. Who are you going to believe? God or the psychologists? When we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and we make him a liar. The Apostle Paul summed it all up when he said, The none is righteous, no, not one. Guys, we need a Savior. We need a substitute. When the Son of God took to Himself a human nature, a sinless man entered into time and space. In a life that spanned three decades, our Lord never entered a entertained a thought, never uttered a word, never carried out an action that was defiled by impure motives. He always honored his father in heaven, always honored his earthly father and mother, never lusted, never uttered a word in sinful anger, never gossiped about or slandered his neighbor. He never stole. He never lied and never coveted. In short, he submitted to every commandment of the law of God without wavering. He loved the Lord with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength, and he loved his neighbor as himself. The scriptures bear manifold witness to this truth, and it is one of the most profitable truths upon which we ought to meditate. John Piper. This truth is vital. And we need to meditate on this as we go throughout this Christmas time. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. See, that's what leads us to the satisfying life. We have the sinless life of Christ. We see also the substitutionary life of Christ. But we see the satisfying life that's found in Christ. You ever notice that when your cup of happiness is full, somebody always jogs your elbow? Unknown. I, I, I don't know who the source was that said that, but I love that phrase. Ever notice that when your cup of happiness is full, somebody always jogs your elbow? First John, or actually, let's go to... Let's go to uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 10. It's on the screen, but if you want to turn there. John chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. Jesus makes the statement. He said, I am the door. If anyone enters me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I've come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life 
for the sheep. The Greek word there for abundance is parasos. It's a mathematical meaning and generally denotes a surplus. The abundant life is above all the contented life in which our contentment is based upon the fact that God is equal to every emergency and is able to supply all our needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus voice. And of course, there's quoting of Scripture. What's the point? We don't need stuff to satisfy us. Guys, Christmas time, we get bombarded with it. And again, you know, I'm like Dave, I'm not against stuff. But we miss it. We miss the satisfying life that's found in Christ. You know that as we understand, when we come into that relationship with our Creator through Christ Jesus, when we understand that our sins are forgiven, when we recognize His sinless life and His substitutionary life on our behalf, you can't help but have a satisfying life. Because regardless of our circumstances, we know this world's not our home. We know we're just pilgrims passing through. And we know that His grace is sufficient for whatever we're facing. For whatever we're dealing with, His grace is sufficient. And that is a satisfying contentment that rests within the heart of believers. He's the good shepherd. And He came into this world to give His life for His sheep. No greater love has ever been displayed than that. And while we were still in our sin, Christ came and died for us. And guys, that's the message we carry to a sinful world in need of a Savior. And you possess that good news. Why aren't we talking about it every day, everywhere we go? I shared this testimony yesterday in the closing championship after we got ran over by that bus. (laughs) Man, I am not kidding. When Nate talked about a while ago, Pastor Jeremy hobbling, guys, I have never in my life hurt this bad. And all the senior saints said, yeah, you wait. <laughs> but I'm telling you, I, I, I just, man. Um, but I was sharing with them yesterday and, I, and, and, you know, just reminded as we finished out our volleyball season. And I looked at, you know, Wednesday night in our Bible study, we had three young ladies here. Two of those young ladies were represented on our volleyball team this year. And um, Ivy and Bree, and you guys know them and, and have gotten to Love them like we have. And I go back and I share the story of how, you know, I tore my ACL and um, two years without surgery. And I kept wondering, why is nothing happening? Why can't I get the surgery? You know, and you know how life is, man. You, sometimes we just question what's going on, God, you know. And we run through everything, you know, trying to figure it out. You know, okay, is there sin in my life? Do I need to confess something? Is there, you know, is this a teachable moment? Or what, you know, is this one of those preventatives? You know, we went through in our Hebrew study all the differing disciplines that come upon believers. So you kind of run through all those things trying to figure it out. And oftentimes it's just a, be still, I'm doing something. And so, you know, again, I look yesterday and I, I see these two young ladies that are playing on our volleyball team. And I remember, you know, having that opportunity to be a witness for Christ in my therapy. And I wouldn't have had that opportunity 
had I not torn my ACL. They would not be out there on that court. They would not be here on a Wednesday night Bible study hearing the Word of God. Now that's to God's glory. Because I'm not choosing to tear my ACL. I'm catching that ball and it's going to be in the end zone, right boys? I mean, you know, that's my plan. But God's plan is always better than our plan. And so I encouraged the people there yesterday as I'm encouraging you this morning. Guys, every day we have opportunity to share the good news of Christ. And it doesn't have to always be, you know, a full-on theological discussion. Sometimes it's just simply opening our mouth and speaking about something that God's doing in our life, something we've learned in a recent Bible study. Just share your faith. It's not to be kept private. It's to be shared because it's the greatest gift that's ever been given to mankind. And we've got to be pretty selfish to not share that. So I encourage you to do the same. It's the satisfying life, guys. Um, it's the greatest life. It's the only life. Apart from Him, there is no life. In fact, um, when we speak of this satisfying life, oftentimes it's said that the abundant life isn't an especially long life. Many missionaries have gone uh, in carrying the gospel to the other parts of the world, dying at a young age. We were challenged Wednesday night in our Bible study about don't pray that, God, if you want me to go, you'll let me know. God's already told us to go. We were challenged by Francis Chan to pray the opposite. God, if you don't want me to go, let me know. In the meantime, I'm packing my bags kind of attitude, right? That we're ready to go unless God says, no, I don't want you going into a third world country. I don't want you going to this place to share the gospel. I want you to stay right where you're at to share the gospel. But the point is, no matter where we go, we share the gospel. Abundant life isn't an especially long life. Abundant life isn't an easy and comfortable life. Think about it. We fight hard, and I understand part of that. The good old American dream. And a lot of our decisions politically that are influenced are based upon, and I get it, I want my kids to be safe too. But what if that comfortableness is really hindering us? No pain, no gain, right? It's the old saying in the gym. Spiritual life sometimes, that rings true too. Comfortableness breeds apathy, complacency. And so abundant life isn't an easy, comfortable life. Abundant life is a life of satisfaction and contentment in Jesus. That's abundant life. Godliness and contentment, that's great gain. You know, an old man was asked, what had robbed him of joy the most in his lifetime? He replied, things that never happened. Someone has cited these three keys to happiness. Fret not, he loves you. Faint not, he holds you. Fear not, he keeps you. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what's going on in your world. But I know this. 
Your Creator God loves you. He's provided means to give you a satisfying life. And it's not in the things around you. It's in Christ Jesus alone. And it's in Him that we can find comfort. It's in Him that we can find strength. It's in Him that we find hope. And so, look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Matthew Henry said, Life in abundance is eternal life. Life without death or fear of death. Life and much more. John 15, if you want to turn over there to John 15, we see in verses 4 and 5, Jesus said, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. On down to verse 7, he says, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. See, when we fall in love with Christ, guys, when we fall in love with His Word, and we begin to meditate day and night on these truths and understand the depths of His love, our heart's desires begin to change. The things I want to do seem to shift to the things that He wants me to do. Same thing when Christ was on earth and we see Him praying in the garden. And He, he knows that the cross is going to be painful. He's not looking forward to that, humanly speaking. Emotionally speaking, he is not looking forward to that. And so he says, if there's any other way, please, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will be done. Thy will be done. And guys, that's, that should be us. It's okay to express my heart's concerns. But as I begin to understand the will of God as revealed through the Scriptures, Nate did a great job on that message the other week. Guys, this is where we're going to find the will of God. And when my heart begins to understand God's plan, not Jeremy's plan, I can be at rest in that. I can be content in that. I can experience a satisfying life in that. Because I know it's for my good and for His glory. And if Jesus calls you to experience suffering or persecution or various things that we face, trials and tribulations, for His namesake, what a badge of honor. What a great gift to you. And I know that seems strange in our world, that somehow loss is gain. <laughs> but it is. And so, we see that. He says, verse 11, these things, what things? These things. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Everybody's searching for a little piece of happiness when what we really need is joy. And he's told us, here's the secret, guys. He just gave you the secret recipe. I know some of you are going to be using Grandma's secret recipe, you know, for the Christmas gatherings. Because, you know, and everybody wants, oh, what's your secret recipe? 
I need that secret recipe. Right, Barnett? I need that secret recipe. Want to know what that missing ingredient is? Guys, here's the missing ingredient in God's Word. Here's what we've been looking for. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. You want to have joy this season, this Christmas? You want to have joy in life? You want to have the satisfying life? It's in here. It's in Christ. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Our happiness, our contentment, our joy is in Christ Jesus, not in this world. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3 says, Blessed is the man. Some of your translations may say, Happy is the man. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Guys, you want to have a prosperous life? It's in Christ Jesus. In fact, Harry Ironside, the Bible teacher, many of you recall him, he told of a visit to Palestine years ago by a man named Joseph Flax. He had an opportunity to address a gathering of Jews and Arabs and took for the subject of his address the first psalm. He read it, and then he asked the question, Who is this blessed man of whom the psalmist speaks? This man never walked in the counsel of the wicked or stood in the way of sinners, or sat in the seat of mockers. He was an absolutely sinless man. Nobody spoke. So Flax said, Was he our great father Abraham? One old man said, No, cannot be Abraham. He denied his wife and told a lie about her. Well, how about the lawgiver Moses? No, someone said it cannot be Moses. He killed a man and he lost his temper by the waters of Meribah. Flax suggested David. It was, it was not David. There was silence for a long while. Then an elderly Jew arose and said, My brother's... I have a little book here. It's called the New Testament. I've been reading it. And if I could believe this book, if I could be sure that it is true, I would say that the man of the first psalm was Jesus of Nazareth. He would be correct. Guys, Christ is our sinless life. He's our substitutionary life. He is our satisfying life. Think about it. Jesus came and lived the sinless life 
to provide us with the substitutionary life that enables us to have the satisfying life before a holy God because it's the salvation life. I love what Piper did with John 3.16. I want to put this up on the screen for you. Notice what he says. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. That's Christmas and Good Friday all in one. That whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. Christmas is not for condemnation. But in order that the world might be saved through Him. Christmas is for salvation. Guys, what a wonderful time to share the good news with a lost, dying, and needy, desperately needy world. We're looking at the birth, the life, death, the resurrection, and the coming again of Christ this Christmas. Because that's Christmas. That's the gift from God to the world. His Son. Christmas is for salvation. From the womb to the tomb to His coming soon. I think I'm going to get that on a bumper sticker. Maybe a t-shirt. Y'all buy that, right? Wise men today worship not only the child of Bethlehem, but also the man of Calvary. I trust you know him today. And if so, then we need to make him known. Christmas is for salvation. Why not share that with somebody this week? Why not share that with someone this week? Let's pray. Father, as we close in prayer today, Search our hearts. If there's anyone here today that does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, maybe somebody's watching online that is sort of wondering what this whole Christianity thing's about, I pray they look to the person of Jesus Christ. Investigate His claims. Check out the historical events surrounding both biblical and extra-biblical accounts of His incarnation that they would look at His sin, sinless life, the claims of His deity, that they would investigate for themselves the truth claims that have been offered. Even when put under trial, Pilate himself said, I find no fault in Him. A thief hanging on a cross beside Him knew He had done no wrong. And even the one who put him there and looked up and recognized this is truly a righteous man. And Lord, most importantly, they would look to the claims and investigate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you draw them to come to know the one truth that will set them free from the bondage of sin that traps them.
and that will one day condemn them for eternity unless they come to understand the saving grace that you've provided and the wonderful gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, draw people to yourself. May we at Community Baptist Church be mindful throughout this week, throughout this season, throughout this year to simply share the good news and hope that's found in one person alone. And that's the person of Jesus Christ. May people respond as they see fit, as you draw them. May they be obedient to what you'd have them do. And we'll give you the praise because salvation belongs to the Lord. And we thank you. In the mighty name of Jesus, looking for His coming again soon, in His name, amen. Before you head out this morning, we have a special part here at the end of our service. We uh, have new member joining. So I'm going to ask Seth and Lauren, if you would, come on down front. And uh, as they make their way down, don't forget, guys, this afternoon, 2 o'clock, the Hunt Memorial Service over in the gym. Please come out if you can, support that. I know they've got a lot of family in town, uh, come up from southern Florida. And so I uh, know they appreciate any encouragement. And even if you didn't know uh, the hunt, some of you newer people who maybe are part of our church family, it still might could be a good way just to simply stop by, show your support and say, you know, didn't know Mr. Hunt, but I've heard a lot of things and, and just here to, you know, say we're praying for you. Something simple like that. That's what us brothers and sisters in Christ should do. So I invite you out for that. Again, some finger foods, time of testimony, and I hope you can make that. Well, uh, this morning... I know you're looking at Seth saying, wait a minute, did he get kicked out? Is he having to join again? <laughs> Seth's already a member, but as you know, he went and got married. And so uh, uh, his bride came through, our new members class, Miss Lauren did, and finished out uh, this uh, recent membership class, and she's the only one I let graduate. I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> no. Uh, it was a small class. In fact, it was so small they had to go outside just to change their mind. But anyway, that's another story. Um, but anyway, Lauren finished out. She went through all her homework. She was a good student. And so, Lauren, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. This is the final pop quiz for you, okay? Do you stand here before us today, and do you profess that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? I do. All right. And you have followed the Lord in believer's baptism, correct? Mm -hmm. All right. And she has completed our new members course as well. And so based upon that testimony and completion of the new members class, she knows who we are. She's getting all of our uh, blemishes, guys, but she still wants to be part of our family. So with that said, if you would like to see Lauren become a member, would you please stand to your feet? All right. Other than a few slow goers, I think that's probably a unanimous vote. And with that, we all say amen. amen. All right. Welcome to the family of God. Out the back door, if you would, please. I know you've already been a part of the family of God, but now you're part of this family of God locally, Community Baptist Church. I'm going to ask them to stand out back. They're going to stand right there at the door. As, they go, as you go through, guys, welcome her to the church family officially. And uh, excited about that. She's, uh, she's already been a part of us. Long time coming. And so it's good to see that happen today. All right, y'all stay warm. I'm going to dismiss in a word of prayer, and you're free to go. And we'll look forward to seeing you back tonight. Same time, same bat channel. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for the opportunity to be here. And thank you for this church family. Lord, uh, we are blessed 
and we are thankful for you who makes it all possible. May you be with us as we go through this week, and may we carry the good news to those in need. In Jesus' name, amen.